Matthew 2, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 12. Notice these words found right here at the beginning of the New Testament. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose. And have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, quote, This is Micah. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Bless now this reading of your word and our response to it. We pray in your name. Amen. We're all on a journey. And each year is a, is a new journey where we set out every January turning another page in the story of our life. And today is Epiphany Sunday, which is the manifestation of Christ. And it's an even more ancient celebration than Christmas. Originally focused on the nativity that we had back over here in this side of the building, on the incarnation of Christ and the baptism of Christ, as you heard about in our readings today. It marks the end of the Christmas cycle, which started with the first Sunday of Advent. And it stands between two great Christological cycles in the church year. That is, Advent, Christmas, 
Epiphany, and then Lent, Easter, and Pentecost. So the Epiphany was yesterday, January 6th, and Christmas ended the day before. So if you still have your Christmas lights up or any greenery around the house, it's okay. We just finished up with Christmas. It's all right. I've still got my lights up. Uh, now, you, you wouldn't know that if you went to the store. If you go to the retail stores, they probably already got, I haven't been, but if they, they probably already have Valentine's Day stuff out, but I've got news for them. This year, Valentine's Day is being slashed with Ash Wednesday. Uh, no date night for you. Um, no, you'll be bowing before and being placed with Ash. Actually, we'll have two times of of imposition of ashes in the morning and in the evening. But, but nonetheless, you'll have a cross on your forehead if you go out. So you may want to think about going out on Fat Tuesday, uh, which I'm sure that'll be a very fitting date night, you know. What are you trying to say, right? Uh, just another reason not to follow the retail calendar, but rather the Christian calendar to orient our lives to a different drum. Not one with glitz and glamour, but instead one that has Christ at the center and his work for us, all of us. So, our journey to find Christ takes us further up than the retail stores will allow. To find Christ, we must look up as the wise magi did, and that is we look heavenward. Now, Some of us are heading into the new year without Christ. We didn't find the Christ child during Advent or Christmas. Our eyes never made it past the sails and the signs of this world. Jesus was not born in our inn, nor laid in the manger of our heart. We literally missed worshiping the newborn king. But there's good news. There's great news. And that is, it's not too late to find Jesus. It's not too late to fall down as these wise men did at the feet of the newborn king. You see, the wise men here, as it says in Matthew 2, 2, were following His star. This was not their first time to look up at the stars. They had noticed in the constellations a certain star that had arose that was the star of Bethlehem. They were looking up not only to the things of this world. I mean, so much of our life, is it not, is spent sort of looking down. Even if, we're, if we let ourselves go, our posture sort of drops us downward, doesn't it? When we're found out for our sin, we look down, not up. My son Baylor is notorious for this. But our gaze must move up if we are to find 
Christ. What star are you following this year? Is it the stars of Hollywood? The stars of more money? The stars of business? The stars of pleasure? Or the star that leads to Christ? His star. You see, the star was a means to an end. They weren't going just to look at a star. They could see the star. That star was pointing them as a sign to the end of all things. And that is Jesus Christ. We all get starry-eyed sometimes with different things in our life. And we all need someone to sort of help us stay grounded. Uh, My dad is one of those people in my life who helps me stay grounded. He always has for 36 years now. He's what I call a dream crusher. A death star, if you will. He always has been. He's sort of a self-proclaimed realist. Although that's not the terminology he would use, it's what he is, in fact. For instance, if you're thinking about buying a new vehicle, uh, and you ask him about it, get ready to be crushed. Uh, You're thinking about a particular house that your wife loves and thinks is perfect and is going to be the one for your family, and you ask him, he'll crush it. If you think it was the best movie you've ever seen, and you'd like him to join you in watching that movie, he'll crush that dream very quickly. He's a dream crusher, a death star. But when the tears have subsided and you come to yourself, and you make another decision that wasn't your first decision, your starry-eyed decision, with His blessing, you'll realize that it was actually good for you. That you weren't seeing the whole picture initially. That much of it was just a dream, and not reality. And most of the time, Dad's been right in our life. It's kind of hard to admit, but he has been. And you know what? I have a good father, truly. But we all have a perfect heavenly father who is never wrong about the direction and the advice that he would give to us. There's three options that unfold before us with this story. We can, upon seeing this star, go back. Go back to looking down or go back to looking uh, at the other stars in the constellation. Go back to our old life. Or we can stop and do nothing. Or we can set out on a journey as these wise magi, in fact, did. Let us not be like Saul or Solomon or Judas who turned back. But instead, let us set out. Let us not be like King 
Herod, who was self-proclaimed, quote, king of the Jews. Who, if you notice in the story, never leaves his fortified kingdom to go look for the newborn king. Instead, he calls people to him to consult and confer with, but never actually seeks after himself the newborn king. Let us not be indifferent to Jesus Christ. There's many things that you can be indifferent about, you know, organic foods, local politics. A lot of people are indifferent to those things. Yeah, it's good if we got it, or yeah, sure, whichever one, we'll just vote and circle in that one. I'm not real sure who that is, but or HOAs and PTAs, but not Christ. We must not be indifferent to Jesus Christ. You see, it's either us rejecting him because we go back, or rejecting him because we do nothing, Or, it's us accepting Him by moving forward in this journey. Setting out as the wise men did. Have you noticed that it's actually difficult to get a grasp of reality sometimes and where we're headed, the future? We need people like my dad who keep us moving, who push us, who say things to us that we don't like. I mean... When I go to the doctor, I don't want him to tell me what I want to hear. You're healthy as a horse, big guy. If something's wrong, I want reality. Right? And we need people to keep us grounded in reality. It's okay to have our gaze fixed upon the stars. But our feet must be touching the ground. We want things to be a certain way. You notice this? People to be a particular way. And the reality is they're just not. The reality is our way of doing things just always doesn't work out like that. You have this wonderful idea of visiting with your family. And how nice it will be to sit around and chat and visit and talk. And then... About two hours in, you're ready to go. Wondering why you ever came. Why you did this to yourself. And call it a holiday. No, we can't see everything. And in particular, we can't see the future. None of us. Right here, at the beginning of a new year, none of us can see the future that this year holds for us. The Hebrews had an interesting way, it's always fascinated me, of viewing history and moving forward into the future. Uh, They understood it as sort of backing into the future. So it's not like, we oftentimes talk about like, let's go to the future, which is sort of like a forward motion, like we're thinking we're moving. But the way they understood it was actually you back into the future. 
Because you don't know what's back here. What was known to them and can be known to us is not the future, but rather the past. Which is why every Sunday we ground our faith not into some kind of starry-eyed spirituality, but rather the faith that is ancient and must be made contemporary in this house of worship today. We're not a part of some cheap organization that started five years ago. No, this has been going on since the beginning of time. You're a part of something that is way older than anything in our world. You're a part of the body of Christ. And he has no beginning. And he has no end. They use the past to guide them into the future. Because you can look back at the past and see your past, no matter how tumultuous, if you've been following Jesus, no matter how precarious the road has become at times, you've seen his hand at work, littered. The trail behind you is littered with his grace, his love, his provision. So can't you trust him then with the next step back into the future? We can, as long as our hand is in his. Kinlaw once said, when your hand is in his and you come to the end of the way, you you will be able to say, I never lost a day. I want to be able to say that at the end of 2018. Lord, it was all yours. I trusted you the whole way, every single step. That I made. It's okay to look heavenward, but like the angel told the disciples when Jesus was ascending into heaven after his resurrection, don't stand around, let's get going. Yes, the wise men looked at the star, but that's not where it stopped for them. That star propelled them to set out for the newborn. King, And it is time to set out to trust Jesus with every step of our year to follow His star because the focus is not the star or the signs or the fireworks or the glitter, but Christ. He's our north star and He will always orient us the right way. And here's the good news. They found him. They found him. They found the newborn king. And when we find Jesus, what must we do? The same thing that these wise men did. And that is fall down and worship him. They sought him in order to worship him. Notice, not to take something from him, but instead... To give something to him. Gold. Frankincense. 
and myrrh. And worship is about giving to Christ. Not about just receiving from Him. Because before we can receive, we must give. Or else we have nothing and no capacity to receive. And we must give our best, as Pete prayed a moment ago. And our best is our life. Our heart. We're on a journey. This isn't a vacation. There's an article that came out uh, recently. <laughs> it's really funny to Jessica and myself about the difference between a journey or a trip and a vacation. But you have to ask yourself when you have kids, are you, is this a vacation or is this a trip? Here are some of the questions. How will you get there? If it's by driving 12 hours with five screaming kids, well, you're not on a vacation. You're on a trip. If you're loading up a vehicle to its max when there's 487 square cubic feet of space in there, like our big bus, then you're not on a vacation, big guy. No, you're on a trip. <laughs> Another question, who are you going with? If it's kids, you can already check it off. It's not a vacation. Where will you stay? <laughs> we could go on. What will you do? <laughs> if, it's, if it's already timelined, every little thing the kids want to do, then it's not a vacation. It's a trip. Well, it's still wise to seek God, just like these wise men sought Jesus. And may He be born in you today. Seek Him until you find Him. Sell it all to find Him. Whatever the cost, pay it. There is no greater treasure on earth than Christ. Right here at the beginning of a new year, give it all away to Him, for He cares for you. And He sees the future. He sees you he knows you. And He wants to be known by you. Not just your neighbor. Not just those suffering in Somalia or China. You. Then, He wants to open your eyes to others around you. I never try to be a slick salesman. And I'm not trying to give you a quick sale this morning on something that isn't showing also the fine print. No, I don't want you to be bamboozled. This isn't a vacation. This journey with Christ, this journey to find Christ, it's not going to be a vacation. I mean, we're going to see a baby after all. They were going to find a child and there's many children that will join us on this trip. And sometimes we'll all be packed in a 12-passenger van, and every seat will be taken, and they won't stop asking the infamous question, how much longer? What time will we get there? But you know what? The psalmist, does he not, often says, how long, O Lord? 
On this journey, it's okay to ask, how long, O Lord, until you make things right? It's okay on this journey to long for Christ to come in His second advent to make all things right and new. Some of us have been on the journey for a while. Others are just starting. Some of us have gotten out several times along the way. And we've been picked up again. The important thing is that we remain faithful to this journey to find Christ, to get to Jesus. For He is the end of all things. It shouldn't depress us that it's not a vacation. But we're headed to the vacation. Currently, we're in trip mode. There's no other option. It's vital we stay the course, stay on this highway of holiness. And the best way to be made holy is through others. God loves to use others. And even His sanctifying grace is hammered out, not in the cathedrals of the mountains of East Tennessee, but instead right here in the valley, (laughs) the Tennessee Valley, Right here in Huntsville, Madison, Athens, Decatur. In the neighborhoods, the workplaces, the schools, restaurants, in our areas of influence. You can go around the world, but if we don't love the ones next to us in bed, or a few cubicles down, or the ones we interact with that serve us at restaurants, we can't love them. The scripture says we can't love God. The church is a kingdom outpost, and we're all called to go. All of us, without exception. So let this Epiphany Sunday be a revelation of holy love, practiced in your actions to those in the circle of your touch, the ones we rub shoulders with every day, God's Spirit can so fill our lives to overflowing that we spill out love to all. Do it, Holy Spirit, in us. A baby is how we all start. It isn't how we need to finish. So let us grow into all that Christ has for us this year. Our journey must begin and end with Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.